What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and the designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. So welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have a special one. So uh, Omar, I don't know if you know this, but you were actually one of the first people I wanted to have on the show. And it's been like <laughs> two years or so now since I started it. So it's funny that uh, you're just um, coming on the show. And I'll admit, I was really nervous to ask you to be on the show. And then you reached out to me the other day. It was like, when can I be on the show? And I was like, ah, because <laughs> you, you know, you're like legit. You're a design star, and and uh, it's it's uh, hard for me to to kind of fathom that sometimes. But um, yeah, oh, welcome to the show. Tell, let the oh. people know what you do. <laughs> oh man, well, first of all, I want to say that uh, the feeling is mutual. I remember uh, when I was down in uh, my studio five years ago, six years ago. I think I was in there alone uh just work I, it may have been on the weekend even and i remember you dropping by and just dropping off some little stuff that you had worked on just yes. introduce yourself and say hello and uh you know we've been friends since then so you know th- that th- it was an amazing way to meet an incredible person in the city uh and it's incredible to see what you've done in this short period of time so you know the honor is mine uh to be on this show uh wow. and just basically have a conversation. It's nice that other people get to hear it too, but uh, it's just nice that we get to talk. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, I appreciate that. And I actually almost forgot about doing that. Like, gee, I was. <laughs> it, yeah, that could have that could have gone badly, I guess. Uh... Well, yeah. I mean, I suppose <laughs> anything can go badly, but you know, for someone who respects the hustle, uh, mm-hmm. you know that's the that's the grind right there you know getting your name out there and just meeting people and uh also not selling you know there's mm-hmm. like a big difference between selling something and just getting it out there and you know telling people what you're all about it's i, I like to you know refer to it as the soft sell you know that's like mm-hmm. a known term but you know you just share what you can uh, and put it all on the table and the people who are interested are going to come find you mm-hmm. yeah I, I and that's kind of my I, I like to to take that process in general too because and I think that's why I was a little intimidated to ask you to be on the show too because I was like I don't want to overstep uh you know we have a cool relationship and I was like I just you know I didn't want to overstep and and uh but uh, I'm, I'm really appreciative that uh oh, we got to do this and uh, actually, I was just out in Inverness this week doing oh, some yeah. some stuff uh, I can't talk about yet. But yeah. uh, I, I went to the Cabot Links place and uh, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, we had like a pretty cool part in it. And, uh, you know, I was involved in some small way right from kind of uh, a meeting I had with Ben Cowendur. Um before a shovel hit the ground, it was just kind of a retired mining field uh, that was sort of grown over. So, you know, you weren't really looking at anything very special. 
of course, the beach beyond that is incredibly special, but the property itself just looked like a, you know, a dump almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I rode in the trunk of his car because there were a bunch of other people in the the seats. So I felt like a little kid. Uh, so we joke about that pretty often, like, you know, talk about like incredible stories of people who've, uh, you know, made, you know, taken a chance on a place and an idea and really pushed it, you know, despite any kind of, you know, negative feedback or, or any of that stuff, just like, you know, full blitz towards that. Uh, and it's, you know, now it's one of the most famous, you know, golf courses in the world, uh, which is pretty spectacular. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Uh, do you uh, play golf at all? Man, I uh, probably play twice a year. And every time I play, um, you know, I say I want to do it more. And to be honest, I, I always had a negative kind of feeling about it you know the culture of golf and uh that sort of thing but in recent years um you're like well you're outside you get to hit a ball you're usually with your buddies and more than likely have a couple beers in your hand it's like Mm -hmm. i've kind of run out of reasons not to like it it's like, wait a second, this is exactly, you know, so now it, the problem is just time, uh, yeah. you know, and how you can, you know, carve out time. Like, it's not like a half an hour game of, uh, or a half an hour workout. It's like, who's got like four hours? Yeah. <laughs> we you just yeah. got nothing to do. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, my brother's yeah. been uh, getting me into it. He plays, uh, we used to play a lot more before he moved up here, but oh yeah. Uh, yeah, now he's he's like every now and then he'd say, "Hey, you want to go?" And I was like, "All right, all right, cool." Yeah. Um, so uh, I I get the appeal now myself too because I was resisting totally. at first, but like it's it's competitive, but then you don't necessarily need to be the best athlete to be good at it. I suck no. at it, uh, yeah. but like yeah, you're having a couple beers, you're cracking jokes, and yeah. you're out in the sun. It, it's exactly. Just, it's, it's it fun. is nice, you know, like. That's it. You know, sometimes you got to let go on your, uh, you know, your, um, you know, ideas of things sometimes and just like, well, you know, do things that make you happy. Yeah, so we should play together is I think the moral of that story is we should find a way to play together. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, so, um, so you're an architect. Yes. How how has the uh, like pandemic changes impacted the industry of, the, of architecture? I see a lot of building in the city, but I don't know how much architecture yeah. is actually involved in that. Yeah, you know what? There's there's a lot going on, and our city is doesn't seem to have slowed down at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the cost of construction on things is like skyrocketed, so it's kind of amazing that you know people have the money to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just, it seems to be booming. And in terms of architects being involved, I'm not quite sure. I can tell you that I'm not involved in any of that stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately only a percentage of it is, uh, you know, thoughtful, you know, people are good at just building things and kind of making money off of it or whatever it is. But, you know, it's a shame when, you know, things just sort of pop up and there aren't more devices in place to ensure that, uh, you know, projects that are going to last you know 50 to 100 years aren't uh more considerate um Mm -hmm. and so 
you know, that's something we can all kind of push for. But, you know, in terms of our our studio, like, of course, I have a little studio in Toronto in Parkdale uh, that has six people. And then my studio here where I am right now, which is on top of uh, the former um, farmer's market uh, on the seaport. Um, for me, at least, uh, and I can't speak for everyone on our team, but it was tough to... Um, you know, be involved in a creative process that relies on people being around a table. Um, a huge part of the love affair I have for architecture and my own studio is the amount that we laugh. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's just not the same. I mean, it was, I, I wouldn't say that I was uh, pushing for people to get back to the office because I definitely um, tried to be as accommodating as possible, but I, you know, deep down i couldn't wait for us to get back together and so you know everyone's back now and if people feel uncomfortable of course they can stay away and you know take precautions mm -hmm. um but man i love it i love it when the music's on and we're laughing and we're just like jamming on ideas uh mm -hmm. and you know pushing boundaries and maybe upsetting some people and whatever <laughs> it is it's like you know we're not in this for um just pushing out the norm you know like we're we there's a really short period of time that uh, we're going to be active in this field and you know you try and leave your mark uh as best you can yeah that's i love that uh i want to actually i wanted to dig into that with you a bit so i've not necessarily talked to architects but i've heard some architects uh on other podcasts and they said that one of the things that disappointed them about the industry is that the lack of opportunity to push boundaries have you found that for yourself did you have to start your own studio to be able to get to that point yeah i definitely you know the opportunities uh that i wanted came from you know starting my own studio which sort of kind of happened uh, accidentally, I wasn't really planning for it, but uh, I ended up losing my job and then sort of was scrambling and, you know, just found one little project to hold me over a couple weeks and then another project to hold me over a couple weeks uh, and, you know, did some things like decks and, you know, little addition to a bathroom and that kind of stuff for, you know, the first year, I'd say. Yeah. And then got really lucky, you know, like basically was like, uh you know a project bigger than i deserved you know came as a result of the thing before and and i i would definitely say that i'd never treated it like it was something i earned it felt like this is a door and i need to run through it as hard and fast as possible and this miracle could end at any point and so now it's been like 12 years later but i still have that fear all the time it's like you gotta there is no b project everything we do we're trying to push as hard as possible because it could just end you know and uh that's you know the motivation in a lot of cases is just you know you know what can you how, how do you make the most out of this mm -hmm. yeah yeah, so you never get to the point. Well, and I, that doesn't surprise me. I was going to say, like, do you ever get to that point where you just feel like, okay, I made it, uh, I'm good, uh, but you obviously don't. No. Um, yeah, no, I don't feel like that at all. 
uh, I would say that I'm living uh, a dream for sure. And I am terrified still. Uh, mm. But that's a, I see that as being a good thing. Um, you know, I think people often get to a point where they're comfortable and they just start kind of rubber stamping their ideas and kind of churning something out, you know, over and over. And for us, it's like, it's a brand new idea. It's a brand new kind of process every time that we, you know, start a project. Yeah. Um, and so it takes, you know, really making that brain turn and really kind of going through pencils and sketch paper and, you know, debating ideas. Um, you know, my practice is all about this incredible group that I've put together. It's like the best design uh, of my life is the team I've put together. And I mm. say that all the time, you know, like I, the reason I've hired the most talented, the smartest people is because uh, that's how you get the best ideas, you know, like that, that's it. It's like, we all push each other. Um, I, I know some firms operate where there's kind of the hand of God, uh, <laughs> you know, operating with ideas and everyone's just sort of, you know, going with it, but you know, we we're debating and I'm just another person uh, in the mix on that. Uh, and the best ideas, you know, move forward. So um, that's what keeps it exciting. If, if, if it was just sort of churning it out, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's another thing. And, you know, another thing I, I, I've said quite a bit is that, you know, within each person, there's only so many like quality things I think that you can produce. And I, I sort of think of it as like strikes or something, you know? Yeah. And so I would say that's something I've become really good at over the years is picking the projects we work on. Um, it needs to be with people that we really kind of align with and respect uh -huh. and, you know, like to have a laugh with or, you know, whatever it is, uh, because I really don't want to waste it mm -hmm. on people and, and things that um, I don't admire. So it, it it's always a bit of an interview process to get to know people, to know if it's a good fit, just because I don't want to waste the limited amount of um strikes in the wrong places mm, okay yeah so that's even for the private residence place uh projects you take yeah on. that's the private residences it's the you know the public projects the institutional stuff you know i think it just comes down to the kind of collaborations you can put together and uh you know people who are open-minded to not necessarily knowing where the journey is going to take us. Uh, and so, you know, we don't know either, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's the joy of the process is really just jumping right into it and, and seeing where this like magical ride takes us. Right. Right. Yeah. I, when you, uh, you had your open studio, I think a few years back that I, I went to, I yeah. was like super inspired and I, I didn't realize actually how, I knew that architecture was like a creative industry, but I, I was surprised at how, to what degree it was right. like the yeah. models, the drawings, all of that stuff. And like there, there, there are a lot of different disciplines that play that go into a yeah. building. And, and I think there's a lot of different kinds of architecture practices and, okay. you know, uh, my background, I went to a regional art school uh, okay. in Caledon, Ontario. And so uh, it was a high school, just sort of like any others, but it was in the country, but there was like two and a half thousand people there. 
And my focus, in order to get into the school, you have to have a focus in the regional arts. So whether it was visual arts or dance or drama or music, you had to pick one. Right. Um, and so mine was visual arts. So my entire sort of background then and then into university at the University of Toronto was in art and art history. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was always my interest. And so, you know, again, I've I've surrounded myself with people who are also in- interested in those things. Um, and so our practice sort of formed that way. But I think, you know, depending on people's backgrounds and interests and uh, you know, how they want to kind of shape uh, the practice that they create um, depends on those things. So they, they they vary quite a bit, I would say. Right, right, right. Yeah. Cool. So uh, you're from Ontario originally, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And my uh, I grew up in Brampton, Brampton. Um, right. which is, yeah, it is um, kind of near the airport, let's say. And, uh, you know, one of the, you know, one of the surrounding suburbs of Toronto, mm-hmm. a huge kind of multicultural population. Uh, also a huge, uh, I remember growing up and there being a, like a gigantic uh, Newfoundlander community. Really? Uh, in that area. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's, uh, it's sort of like, uh, you know, a lot of Nova Scotians and Maritimers and Newfoundlanders in that area. And I think it's just because there were a lot of jobs available in the seventies and eighties in kind of industry and manufacturing and that sort of stuff. And so uh, it was a place where um, there were, you know, jobs available for people. And so that's why, you know, there were a lot of Islanders there. I grew up with Jamaicans and Antiguans and Bahamians and uh, Indians and Pakistani and and all of that. That was sort of like my community. yeah, basically a community of of people who worked hard for a living, you know, and, and kind <laughs> yeah. of like, you know, they had dreams, you know. Nice. Nice. So what uh, what led you to Halifax? So uh, after my time at the University of Toronto, which was in architecture, but kind of more broad, mm-hmm. uh, like a broad liberal arts um it was like kind of my first moment of strategy in life. I feel like uh, I was in the first year of a new program and it, believe it or not, had like 400 people in my class. And wow. uh, I think most of those people were going to try and go to a master's program, um, which typically requires like three or four years of undergrad. Uh, and so I knew that in my graduating year of that program, everyone was going to try and go to the University of Toronto master's program or in one of the other ones in Canada. Mm-hmm. And so I decided that I was going to, I like I was looking around and I found out that out here in Halifax, one of Canada's most well-known architecture schools at Dalhousie only required two years of undergrad. And I felt like I landed on a bit of a gold mine and I skipped out of my last year at U of T uh, to get into this school before like this insane rush of like hundreds of people were applying. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of it was that it was a well-known school. Um, the other part of it was pure strategy. Like how can I beat the system and find kind of uh, an open gap? So I didn't know anything about Halifax uh, at all. 
That's funny. I moved here without really knowing anything either. <laughs> 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 yeah, I just moved strictly on the re- uh, reputation of NASCAD and just yeah. was like, all right. <laughs> I learned as I landed. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, for a place that, you know, we didn't know a lot about it, it's pretty spectacular, isn't it? Like, it's an amazing yes. place. Yeah, and it, it surprised me and it's continued to surprise me. Uh, it's like... Yeah such a strange um, mix of like small town with certain bigger city amenities. Uh, It's, it's an interesting, interesting place. So yeah, I've been here for a very long time now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So like when you think back to your childhood, uh, you, you, I'm assuming you were just like a creative kid did was architecture in your like vision. You know, like I'm pretty close to my parents and Mm -hmm. my dad, although he was in kind of a scientific background and my mom's a nurse, um, you know, certainly there wasn't anyone in the arts in my family. And I don't just mean like my parents, but like nobody within, you know, infinite number of generations really, or cousins or anyone who went into the arts. Uh, But for some reason, my dad, because he had a real interest in it before he kind of went down the road, he went in his own job. You know, he had a real passion for painting and the arts. And uh, I don't know if he saw some spark in me, but, uh, you know, he kind of just like kept putting it on the table. Like, you know, whether he was teaching me how to draw or I remember he took me to, um, the University of Toronto's uh, one of their art galleries when I was really young Mm -hmm. and you know I didn't even know what I was looking at but it was just something we did together and so I'd say the interest in the arts came and then the interest in architecture uh, sort of came from that that education I had uh, but also looking for um, a particular kind of profession that could also be very creative as well so Uh. I was fortunate that when I kind of considered that, I just sort of kept blitzing down that road, uh, okay. you know, to, to sort of get to that point. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Uh, not as many people kind of figured out early enough to, yeah. to know. No, you're right. And uh, I kind of knew that the whole time. It was It was sort of funny, you know, in undergrad or graduate school or, you know, even in the intern kind of program of my profession uh i felt you know surrounded by people who were still trying to find out or figure out what they wanted to do and you know most of them ended up picking really exciting kind of careers and and directions but uh that was it was nice in those years of feeling insecure about everything about your own life that there was that sort of um thing that was you know kind of straight for me yeah yeah is there a point once you started working where you really figured out this is it um yeah I you know I wasn't the best in school and I certainly wasn't the best when I started working or any of that I I think I really kind of started feeling that when I went out on my own um for sure and it wasn't for any reason like you know awards or any of that kind of jazz like it was just like I said 
being in the studio and that studio energy and the laughter and the pushing and that kind of stuff. It's like, this is, this is the goal right here. You know, the process is the dream by, by a mile. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's so funny because I mean, Omar's being extremely humble, but Omar's got all kinds of awards and been on the cover of all kinds of magazines. Uh, but I relate to that in a lot of ways. It's um, I was not that student that the profs were all excited to <laughs> to talk to yeah. talk to. I wasn't that superstar designer at all, and and I, I wasn't the sought yeah. after kid after school either. And um, it wasn't until I started my own thing that I was like, "Whoa, yeah, I'm onto something!" Like, and and that's yeah. when the momentum kicked in. And it's it's hard it's hard to to understand that i don't know and like now if i get some accolades now i don't not that i don't feel like i deserve them but uh maybe it's something about the way they came by i don't know um yeah you know what it's uh i think for and you have a lot of that at this point and i think you just need to take what's valuable out of that experience Mm -hmm. that makes you better uh and i think that that same kind of feeling comes from when you don't win something mm -hmm. um you know i i usually uh, you know we we don't apply for a lot of things anymore uh okay. you know there was a bit more of that at the beginning and uh i would say that the things that we you know pick for you know applications on you know with awards or any of that it's all about the practice and what's going to open up new opportunities yeah um it's not about another thing on my wall I, i'd have to show you one day my degrees and you know the awards we have or whatever it's actually just sitting on a shelf like a flat stack right now because i don't even have it you know we don't have any of it on the wall or it's just not that important the work is important and, you know, our experiences, but those other things I just see as like keys that unlock opportunities. And I think that's, what's important about it. Mm -hmm. If you're relying on that kind of like, you know, gratification to make you happy, that shit is not going to happen for sure. Right. Like that, it will not make you happy at all. Yeah. Facts. And, and yeah, I guess too, like you're at this point, and I'm getting to this point too, where it's like people come to you with all that stuff and yeah. you can sort of pick and choose. And yeah, ultimately that is what the the awards are supposed to do. I mean, even the, even the social media stuff, like the likes and the yeah. followers and all that people like yeah. to talk about that, but none of them really matter if they're not helping you get more projects in the door. Yeah, exactly. That's Whatever. it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so what would you say, um, you love most about the architecture industry? Um, I love that we get to shape how we approach it. Okay. And that we can use architecture as a way to change the world, mm -hmm. you know, and I say that because obviously I know that we're, you know, known for houses and things, but I always really approached that kind of work as sort of the typical way that architecture firms and architects kind of uh, 
create a voice or yeah. a language or a process and maybe, you know, get a little bit known in the community mm-hmm. through that. Because I really see those as, although being like beautiful challenges and working with really wonderful people, that's, that was never my intent. You know, mm-hmm. I want to help shape the lives of the kind of people I grew up with people yeah. like my family, you know, middle-class people, um, you know, that, that's really it. And my dear friend, Eric Stotts, Eric. yeah, like he's been a brother of mine for, you know, 15 years now. And, uh, we used to work together and we've both been doing our own thing for, you know, a long time, 10, 12 years now. And, you know, every now and again, we'll call each other up and ask each other to go for a little walk around the block just to kind of vent or whatever it is. But man, there's nobody other than my parents, maybe, who ground me the way he does. He came mm-hmm. from a middle class family in Illinois, yep. as you know, and, you know, the kind of things that he's interested in and, and the things that motivate him are really inspiring to me. We were fortunate enough to collaborate on a project for the North End Community Health Center mm-hmm. uh, that just completed uh, on Maitland Street, Maitland and Cornwallis. And so it was a hundred and something year old house that we fully renovated so that 11 um, currently homeless African Nova Scotian gentlemen could have a dignified place to live. Nice. nice. Uh, and so it was something we worked on with Kelly uh, in our office. And, um, you know, that was a, a real kind of life changing sort of project for us because. Uh, you know, it's not the kind of thing that gets you awards. It's not the kind of thing that gets you a uh, front cover on anything, but it's like real change. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the kind of change that, you know, maybe people don't like admitting, but it feels good to be a part of something like that and helping people. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful that we got to do it with Eric because we talked about it for years before we actually did it. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's really great. And so we have a whole bunch of that kind of stuff lined up, uh, including uh, the largest uh, project that Habitat for Humanities done in Canada, uh, which is going to be in Spryfield. Uh, and we have a housing project for the Native Women's Association out towards Truro. And so, you know, that's, you know, you, you do one kind of thing that makes you a little bit of money and, you know, it's for one kind of people in society, but it opens doors for us to be able to kind of give back yeah. uh, and do kind of things that really, really matter, you know, mm-hmm. for, for the community. So, you know, that's all part of that kind of shaping the practice and, you know, what I want out of it before, you know, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. That's dope. And like, yeah, I, I feel that in a a lot of ways, too, because, you know, when, like, for instance, I I start thinking about my brand and I start thinking about myself as a consultant and what I'm going to charge and who I'm going to work with, et cetera, et cetera. But like, if I don't make enough money to sustain myself and to be able to grow, then it makes it harder for me to give back to. Totally. um, the other initiatives that I want to give back to myself and I want to make those initiatives bigger and bigger as I, I go along. Uh, So these are things to, to always keep in mind uh, when we start feeling insecure about 
making money as creative people. Um, and, you know, and the system is sort of set up like that, right? Like you're supposed to feel guilty about making money and, you know, money is freedom and mm -hmm. that freedom allows you to do things that matter, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, I will say that right from day one, when I started my practice, I was charging uh, a fair bit for our work, you know, yeah. not our work, my work at that yeah, yeah, time. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it takes a lot of courage to kind of like propose that to a client. And, you know, a lot of the times they would say no, but a few times they said yes. And I just needed a few times for people to say yes. And as it was going, you know, the number kept, you know, whatever that fee is just kept going up because uh, a, you know, you have to feel like you're worth it. Yeah. And, you know, if someone else is doing that, why, why wouldn't you like what, you know, you have to empower yourself. Mm -hmm. And then that's the other thing is just uh, money and financial security is like the key to everything, no matter what anyone says, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I didn't, you know, no offense to my parents, if they're listening to this, but, uh, you know, I didn't grow up with rich parents or anything, you know, like yeah. they worked hard, they worked yeah. really hard. And that's where I learned that. But like, you know, financial freedom is uh, the goal, because yep. then you can, then you can do it, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And and part of the whatever or not, it, or, you know, whatever you want is um, saying no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man Powerful. like there there is no drug in my day-to-day -day <laughs> job that makes me feel better than saying no like i was saying like i feel like we have a limited amount of uh ideas in our mm -hmm. lifetime or you know that kind of energy and i don't want to waste it on the wrong things and the wrong people yeah. and uh being able to say no because you don't desperately need something uh, is the most that is the greatest gift as a creative person doesn't matter mm -hmm. what field you're in like that's that's the ultimate yeah yeah I need to actually practice that muscle a little bit I need to I need to grow that one a little bit more <laughs> I'm getting better at it but uh, yeah yeah I have so many things that I'm ready to like tackle but I can't because yeah. I've already committed myself to things of course uh, yeah so it's it's a it's a push and pull yeah <laughs> but but also uh you know I, I don't think you would even know how to do that at the beginning like you you're already doing things and not doing things based on your previous experience right and i think that's going to just keep becoming refined as you go yeah uh you know you're you're learning and yeah. i'm learning how to do that as well so you know mm -hmm. that's I think there's no right or wrong with that stuff. And mm -hmm. like, I, I would say the only thing I've done that's worked towards that goal and helped me is I've always been insanely insecure about hiring people. Oh. Uh, I've stayed small on purpose. And for, you know, my practice, like having 16, 18 people is still a very small practice. Mm -hmm. um, and I've done that because there's nothing to me more terrifying than having to lay someone off, mm. uh, which I've done, you know, once or twice over the last decade. And it really ate me up mm -hmm. um, because, you know, they're good, amazing people, but 
you know, sometimes you have to do that kind of stuff. But the other reason is, you know, by limiting your overhead, uh, it's just less stuff you need to do, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's again, some, it's the only way to kind of tackle financial and creative freedom. Yeah. Do you find too, uh, that allows your, like, I'm not really sure how they, how it is in your industry, but I know in say like the ad agencies and things like that, it can get really, really like intensely busy. Is it ever like that for you? Yeah, Hmm. it is. And that's the juggle, right? So you kind of decide like, do you want to be busier than you can handle? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to be, um, have more people than you know what to do with on your team. So like, it's never like kind of the perfect amount. Yeah. And so then I think, you know, part of that for us is just about being honest with people and stretching projects out so that every project you're working on gets the kind of respect that it deserves. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, we, we line things up. So we just have a waiting list and we don't want to start things until we can fully kind of dedicate ourselves to it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, it's also lining up and securing kind of the future side of business as well. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's also part of my challenge mm-hmm. too, because I'm always scared about the pushback that I might get by saying, I would love to do this. I just can't do it for the next two months because I've got all this other yeah. stuff. And and I think that also like it requires courage, right? Because you know that there's like a 75% chance that they're gonna say, I'm just gonna go to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a bit of a um it's a bit of a gamble. And also you need to, you know, you gotta take that chance sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it, and I think it's worth it too. Um, I mean, it, like for your mental <laughs> everything, yeah. it, it's worth it. So, one thing I wanted to to get into with you, I don't know if you're able to get into this, but the yeah. uh, big art gallery project uh, that we had for Nova Scotia for Halifax, um, your firm was chosen to to work on that, yeah. and it was I loved the plan. I saw the video and all that stuff, and. Uh, the city was excited and then it got pulled back. How does that feel? Uh, and is that something that's common in your industry? Yeah, I, so yeah, we, we, of course we won it. Uh, it was an amazing team we put together, um, uh, with elder Lorraine Whitman and Jordan Bennett and KPMB and trans solar. Uh, it was like, you know, a bit of an all-star team, but the part that, uh i think we were most proud of was we we started the team with uh elder lorraine whitman and Mm -hmm. jordan bennett and unlike i think the process in the past where there's indigenous requirements for you know and and then this kind of tokenism with projects we were in it to do it right and Mm -hmm. to do it right means to kind of do it right from the ground floor uh so that the first line was kind of drawn by those ideas uh, and those people and so you know we we won obviously and what the public I guess didn't get to see was that the project kept getting better uh, for the next year and a half 
maybe two years. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but um, we had the most incredible public consultation team. Um, you know, I, the way that myself and Jordan Rice on my team uh, who led the project with me, uh, we approach things uh, is that we want to like go against the grain all the time and push, push back on kind of the way that uh, things have been done. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing in my mind worse, and I'm sure you'd agree, than being a sellout. Mm-hmm. If you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it, right? Yeah. And when I spoke to Elder Lorraine Whitman the first time, and she told me how important this project was to her and her community and her peers, um, I promised them that this wasn't going to be like the casino or mm-hmm. uh, previous projects that attempted to promise something and then and then fall short when people aren't looking. Yeah. Um, and so that was one of the ideas. But the other was that I think people see public consultation as being another part of that process that you just have to get through. Um, but you know, the way that we approached it uh, with our team was that this was going to help shape through the voices of the public some of the things that we didn't consider and Mm -hmm. some of the things that are important to people that we hadn't spoken to previous to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether it was issues about accessibility, whether it was about inclusivity, uh, whether it was about, um, you know, the Indigenous community as well, um, and the other communities in kind of the region, these were things that we considered and really helped to shape it. And, you know, the thing with architecture competitions is they happen at a pretty fast pace. Yeah. And I think it's easy then to just kind of keep the ball rolling with that momentum and get it built. But we really kind of went in with the idea that it was open for manipulation if it meant that the project was going to become better. Sure. Uh, and we did. And so I'm, I, I feel like people are surprised when I say this, but I'm really hopeful that it's coming back. Oh, you okay. Know, we're, we're, we're kind of, you know, and I might be uh, wrong on that, but if they wanted to cancel it, I'm sure they could have. But, mm-hmm. you know, they very carefully said that it was postponed or delayed. And I and I firmly believe that it will come back, partially because, you know, we're not really letting up on it. You know, the people okay. at the gallery, you know, uh, people, you know, backing it financially, you know, the community. I, I think it's important to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that uh, people are going to continue to push respectfully. Um, mm-hmm. And and hopefully it it comes, you know, gets to the point where they can push the green button on that again. That's good. That's good. I I was concerned that it, uh, yeah, that that delay would end up being a just it just went away. Uh, yeah, I was excited too about about all of the things you said, and that was one of the things that stood out. What you mentioned about uh, the community consultation and. Um, getting Jordan Bennett and Elder, would you say Lorraine? Uh, Lorraine Whitman, yep. Lorraine yep. Whitman, uh, getting them involved, uh, like that stood out, and and it just felt like a shame uh, when I when I heard about that. But you know, 
it's interesting, like, how do you feel in terms of some of the, some of the things I've heard people say uh, in the Twitter streets is, uh, well, we need a hospital. Why do we have an art gallery? I mean, why are we working on an art gallery sort of thing? How do you feel about pitting healthcare versus cultural institutions? Like, is that a fair comparison? Those kind of things. You know, I, I don't know, you know, I, I, I would say very openly, I, I don't know much about politics and how that works. Mm. You know, you can probably always go to certain arguments that no one's going to kind of push back against. You know, I don't even have a family doctor here uh, in Nova <laughs> right. Scotia. And so I'm the last person that's going to say, you know, there is <laughs> a, a major need of healthcare reform and hospital. And it's like, how do you argue that? Of course we do. Yeah. Uh so I don't really know what to say beyond that, other than, you know, that is very true. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the importance of cultural institutions, uh, in particular ones that uh, aren't the norm, uh, but have pushed the boundaries in every single way and shaped mm -hmm. the way that we think about architecture and the public uh, and community uh, in a way that no piece of architecture has ever done in Canada. I mean, that's that's some pretty powerful stuff. And, you know, that was our intent from from the start on that. And we already know that it's shaped the way that competitions are set up and the way that, uh, uh, you know, community engagement and kind of, um, you know, consultation is kind of considered for these sort of things in a meaningful way. I mean, it's changed yeah. everything. It didn't exist before this. And so, uh, you know, the project, even without a shovel in the ground has already changed so much. Okay. And, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes after that. You know, I, again, I just don't know what to ever say about the political stuff because, you know, you know that everyone's trying to do the best they can. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's I'm sure like <laughs> I'm sure there's like so many moving pieces behind the scenes that like it's impossible yeah. for us and Twitter to, to really have the solution. Uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, I think also, you know, the this or that kind of stuff. And of course, we're talking about money. So that is a real thing. But uh, that's the intent of, you know people in politics is for people to say, you know, it, it's either this or it's that, you know, and, and mm -hmm. that's the way that you pit people against one another. Um, but I'm, you know, fairly certain it doesn't really work like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So with all this like hard stuff, what do you actually do for fun? Do you have time <laughs> for fun? <laughs> you know what I, I do like, you know, I, like I was saying, you know, during COVID when the studio wasn't open, you yeah. know, I I was having a tougher time having fun because I love the day-to-day -day in the studio. And so from nine to five, you know, of course I'm working hard with everyone else and doing, you know, very different things than I used to do. Yeah. Um, but man, I love it. I love it. And I love that we push boundaries and we go against the grain and you know, I, I think also uh, help to uh, put Nova Scotia on the global map in whatever way that we can. Yeah. Uh, and 
so that's great. The other thing, I'm a huge, huge baseball fan. Like oh, a really? huge baseball fan. Yeah. And I feel like I forgot that. Like I played uh double A uh when I came and moved here originally. And so I played like fairly serious baseball. Uh and then, you know, life happens and you know sure. <laughs> body starts to fall apart and all that kind of stuff. But uh you know, uh in recent years I've just like decided I need to make time for that. And so although I haven't been playing, um, I've been watching a lot and took my son to Boston at the end of the summer and we watched nice. two games and he was blown away by it. I was blown away by it. Uh, a week later, I was at, in Dallas for a conference and I saw the Blue Jays there as well. Uh, and so, you know, that that kind of stuff is really exciting. But I also just like being out in the city, uh, mm-hmm. walking around. I love the North End. I love, you know, everything uh that's sort of well take that back i don't want to say i love everything that's developing there because that's not true (laughs) but i like some of it and i love the vibe and i love the people and um it's just a great city to live in uh so Mm. but soon it'll be winter and then you know (laughs) we'll see you in the spring after that right i uh, i hear you um what do you do for fun what do you do for fun what do I do for fun? Other uh, than golf. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> if you can call it that. <laughs> uh, more like just looking for golf balls in the trees. Yeah. Uh, so um, I love to play basketball. That's if I can. Um, I don't have much time to do it anymore, but like once yeah. a week, I try to get out. And uh, um, I want to play video games. It's something I never have time for. Uh, yeah. and, um, not, but lately I've just been big, just streaming, watching whatever movies, yeah. shows, uh, that's not, not necessarily good for my body, but it's, it's good a, for your mind. Yeah. It's good for my mind. It's good to just kind of take me out of whatever. Um, but yeah, obviously like the creative stuff, it's hard to, to like, separate those things because i'm always looking for free time to just like be creative and make and draw and paint and yeah and whatever uh design stuff so yeah that's that's kind of my my fun fun space but uh yeah, yeah and I'm, I'm into martial arts too but oh right I, yes i knew that i have a hard time thinking of it as fun though and that is the hard thing um right. It, it feels more like training. I think of it as training. It's like something I have right. to do, something I have to maintain. Yeah. But so I don't necessarily think of it as fun, but more of like a discipline, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Um, oh, and I'm, I've been wanting to get back into reading. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's again. Yeah. Thing. I, I just I like too many things. And I think that's what kept me away from golf. And I friends try to get me to play tennis or do other things and i'm just like i I have so many other interests that i i'm trying to pursue and be good at that it's hard for me to to make time for something new i'm like if i don't already do it now i'm not trying to do something new sorry yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah anything in particular you're watching right now uh watching right now uh you know what we're uh 
my uh, girlfriend, Jelen and I, we, we, we do watch quite a bit and um, you know, it's it, right? Like it's, it's a way to wind down, but you know, it makes it that much better when it's something like really well done. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, crafted nicely. There's uh, a series I'm watching right now uh, called the patient mm -hmm. with um, what's his name? Uh, the actor, Michael from the office uh oh yeah i've been watching that um yeah yeah i know what you mean yeah no so that was really good and uh uh under the banner of heaven on the same network was amazing okay, and the old man so yeah there's just been a bunch of stuff recently it's it's actually really nice when you step away for a while because you're busy and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden there's like a backlog like, of things you get to catch up on instead of watching like, you know, the office reruns. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. For yeah. Sure. And there's just, and that's the thing, like there's so much out there right now, but if you're in that, that uh, cycle of watching it daily, then yeah. you kind of, you you don't, you list miss out, I guess, in that excitement, but it, it's great to come back after a while when I've been busy and just like, Oh, yeah <laughs> absolutely uh, absolutely yeah i've been watching dharma and being uh oh yeah right disturbed but also like wow like cheese white supremacy like they he, he mastered that Jesus. he did uh, <laughs> yeah that's that's really well done it is yeah. terrifying and creepy but uh you know well done on his yeah. uh with his performance yeah that 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 was wild um yeah so we're coming to the end, but if there's like anything in particular that uh, you would give as advice for uh, someone coming up wanted to pursue architecture, what would that be? Well, I remember um, at one point uh, we were talking about, you know, putting yourself out there or promotion or any of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I, I do remember um, when I started, you know, people get really weird about you promoting yourself. And, and I don't mean like promoting, like I'm great, but mm -hmm. sharing your work, whether mm -hmm. it's online or uh, social media or, you know, blogs or whatever it is. Yeah. You just got to remember that no one's going to do it for you. So, <laughs> you know, it's that idea of hustling again and you're not doing anything like illegitimate or wrong or distasteful or any of that. Mm -hmm you want it go get it and it's really hard as a creative person an artist an architect uh or anything to put yourself out there it's there's nothing more terrifying than putting yourself out there and so by just practicing doing that um mm. is the best tool because you know it's sort of the age-old question especially when you're on your own is how are people going to find me Mm -hmm. uh, and come to me and know what I do and that sort of thing. Well, that's exactly it. How are they going to, you need to share your work and you need to share your ideas and put yourself out there and know that you're going to get an enormous amount of criticism and, you know, uh, you know, love from the haters and all that kind of stuff. And it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. All that matters is like, there's going to be one or two people that might think something positive about what you're saying or showing yeah. and that gets you to level two yeah Boom. and then continue for the rest of your career yeah you know that's interesting because you know we talked about like this idea of selling out sometimes 
like our fellow industry people can make us feel like yeah. that we're selling out if we're when we're putting ourselves out there but like you said if we want to continue going how do how else are people going to learn about us yeah well you know what who's not saying that to you are people who have already made it and feel fulfilled uh-huh you know like that only comes from the people behind right, right. and you just got to put on the the blinders and you know do that that's why you know people move uh you know, oftentimes when they find kind of the success they're looking for, um, because it's a new environment, I think mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I think also uh, when it comes to that kind of feedback, negative feedback, if you hear it before it actually gets to you in your mm -hmm. own mind, it really doesn't mean anything when you hear it. You know, mm -hmm. it's like you've already kind of imagined that happening and then you can block it out. Uh, and all that matters again, like we were saying is like the 1% or the 2% of the people who believe in you. Uh, and in my case, there were a handful of people that believed in me for reasons I can't explain, um, <laughs> because there certainly wasn't anything I had done up until that point, but yeah. they just believed in me. Uh, and you know, I think it's like upon us to believe in other people when that opportunity right. comes up, because that's, that's the gift, you know, you yeah. need, you don't work in a silo. You, you need people. Uh-huh. That's a great way to end it. So where can people find you online? Uh, you know, the funny thing about websites is like, I don't, we have one, but I don't really know if people even use websites anymore uh it feels secondary to instagram so it's og underscore architect is our instagram handle um uh, or you can just drop by my office and say hello all right cool omar thanks a lot this is this is a long time coming <laughs> yes for sure and we definitely have to hang out uh i'm sorry but i'm a lot i'm gonna i'll be real you're intimidating me you're you're intimidating i don't know you shouldn't <laughs> feel like that because uh that's ridiculous that's ridiculous i um i really appreciate being able to talk to you right now and share some of that kind of stuff uh but i can't uh tell you how much i admire you and your grit and your grind and you know uh i love your work and uh i try and share it as much as i can so uh i yes. really respect you and i appreciate this very much thank you i appreciate that it's it's definitely mutual all right Cool. All right, man. Thank you. So, Thanks a lot, Dwayne. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to Art Page Music. Thank you to Langy Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Page Me at artpaysme.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays Me on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace.